everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace, a returning creator today uh, to talk about his new series from AWA, Sins of the Salton Sea. It's my pleasure to welcome Ed Brisson back to the show. Ed, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me and, and thanks for pronouncing it right. You got uh, you got the last name proper. Yeah, you know, big fan of your work, so I've got to give you props. Uh and I do want to touch on a couple of the other uh, things that you're you're doing for DC. We've been reviewing uh, um, Batman Incorporated, and we just talked about uh, Brave and the Bold on uh, the episode that came out yesterday, which was great. But we got to talk about uh, Sins of the Salt and Sea from AWA, this project that's really, I, I think, probably something that's near and dear to your heart, kind of getting back to your roots with crime noir. So why don't you tell our listeners what uh, Salt and Sea is about? Yeah, so this is a is a little tricky, which feels like a cheat. It's a little tricky to talk about what it's about because it sort of changes almost uh, every issue. Uh, we sort of <clears throat> try and pull the rug on you uh, pretty constantly, but uh, the very sort of uh, boiled down version it's uh, about a um, a man named Wyatt who has um, used to be a career criminal and sort of walked away from the life is sort of just surviving these days by, you know, washing dishes at truck stop diners and living in the uh, camper in the back of his dilapidated truck. Um, you know, his, uh, his brother finally tracks him down after about seven years of him being, you know, on the, uh, living off the grid and asks him to come back in for sort of the fabled one last score, yeah. uh, which, you know, is uh, one of my favorite, uh, crime tropes. Um, and you know he uh, he manages to bring him in, and uh, they're supposed to uh, heist an armored car that's supposed to be filled with uh, about fifty million dollars. But of course, when they when they go to do the job, everything goes sideways. And um, without spoiling too much, the uh, bounty thereafter is not exactly uh, what they were promised it was going to be, and uh, it sends uh, <clears throat> their whole life sort of. Uh, flips it on their ear and you know the uh very ten cent version is that it's a heist gone wrong and as a result uh the world may end so you know it's, uh, the stakes go from about you know 10 to a million in in the turn of a couple pages yeah i feel like the, partly it's about what you know what we value you know what uh yeah 10 million dollars sounds like a lot of money and, and and this gets into things like you know even things like the the Martian right and there's that whole idea of uh, how much money you know if you just take these movies that Matt Damon is how how, how much money has you know the U S or the world spent on rescuing Matt Matt Damon from all these different uh, you know predicaments he's gotten himself into it, it really talk about the value of, of of human life and you know the good the uh, needs of the the good uh, for one versus the needs of the good for, you know, many and, and that sort of thing. Um, so, so that's sort of fascinating and maybe a high level look at, at some of the things that some of the conversations this story might engender, but on the surface, like you said, a heist crime breakneck pace in this first issue. So. Yeah. The first issue we had to do a lot of stuff. So, you know, it's uh, we just, you know, we have, we, I think it's, it's a pretty quiet open, but then once we hit the ground, you know, we really hit it running as for the remainder of the first issue, especially. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Is it going to continue that pace? Because, yeah, it was it was nonstop action. Like you said, a little bit of setup, but then it's pedal to the metal after that. No, it's uh, 
after after that opening scene, we do take a bit of a breather, you know, so we have a chance to sort of uh, find out more about each of the characters and, and find out about what mo- motivates them. Um, you know, what you were talking about earlier is, you know, the it's kind of about the the uh, value of human life. Uh, I think like the, a big part of it for me is this book is really about sort of um, guilt, you know, uh, the guilt over things that we've done in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, the guilt that we sort of carry with us uh, because of who we are and where we've been and yeah. how that sort of determines, you know, how we navigate the world going forward. And so we sort of, especially the second issue, could take a step back so we can sort of figure out who the players are, what their sort of motivations are. And and the motivations sort of, you know, they're not always necessarily what we see on the surface when we, when we first go into it. So there's always a deeper motivation for what everyone's doing. Uh, well, I, you know, I also mentioned this is getting back to your roots. Uh, there's something about crime noir. You and I have talked about it before. I think the very first time we had you on to talk about a Kickstarter project was crime noir. Um, you know, it, a lot of times we talk about sci-fi as uh, kind of the genre that you really can explore anything. You feel like crime noir is is similar. It, it gives a lot of flexibility as kind of the background to explore these ideas. I think so. You know, um, I think you can explore. So sci- sci-fi lends itself, I think, to more like um, sort of global themes, you know, larger, big, you know, exploded sort of themes. Whereas I think that crime is, is more like it brings it down, it grounds it more. And it's more like sort of the human uh, and, and individual um, uh, themes more than it is like sort of these larger uh you know, world, uh, whatever. <laughs> the, the, this world, um, what's the term I'm looking for? Spanning sort of things. Whereas uh, the thing I like about crime is this is, makes it much more personal, it brings it down, you know, and, and you really just focus on uh, a few characters and, and uh, through that can they explore, you know, whatever, like in this case, it's it's a lot about guilt and, and the weight of that. Um, but yeah. You think that's because crime kind of inherently there's con- there's consequences, right? Like in, the consequences if you get caught, consequences for what you're doing, consequences for the person who's, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, the victim. Is that part mm-hmm. of it? Yeah, absolutely. But it, again, it's like more like it, it's a more individualized uh, consequences and they're and they're much more real. Right. And much more uh, to my mind, relatable, like whereas sci fi, you know, uh, it, sometimes it's hard to to relate to like sort of a, a planet being wiped out, right? Even though kind of that's something we're dealing with here. Um, whereas crime, it's it's the there's so much more uh, individual emotion um, attached. It's it's that thing. Um, I'm trying to remember. And I'm forgetting the name of this theory, but it's um, our, it's about how our sympathy sort of divides mm. the the more uh, distant we are from. So like. You know, our sympathy is for our own family, like the, the way that we can care for our own family, then it diminishes when it goes to your friends and then acquaintances. And then, you know, you can still feel sympathy, but it's never going to be the same amount of, of like real emotional connection and and fear when it's it's someone closer to you. Uh, and I think that's that's the thing that we get out of out of crime and, and noir and, and, and these sort of stories. Well, like I said, breakneck pace in, in the first issue, your collaborator, uh, C.P. Smith, uh, the artist, does a fantastic job showing the stakes, showing, as you said, things going wrong. Uh, is he somebody you, you've worked with before? Were you familiar with his work? Like, talk about the no, collaboration. Uh, 
this is the first time he and I have worked together. And, and interestingly, the style that he's using uh, here, the, the way he, he's been putting this together is quite different from how he's worked in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so people familiar with his stuff, this will seem like a, a, a different side of him. Um, and I remember when we started, he had mentioned he wanted to try a different style, which is something I'm normally kind of skeptical of. Right. But once the pages started to come in, I was like, oh, you know, shit, this is actually really good. It fits. And he's got, it's a, it's a very unique style, I think. Um, I don't think there's like, looking at it, there's an artist that you could say it's comparable to. because it, It's really its own thing that stands on its own. And it's got like a, just a, just such a perfect fit for this. It's such a sort of um, the intimate, but like still like this sort of cinematic feel uh, to his art. That's just uh I've just been loving it. It's been great. It's been a really great collaboration. Uh, watching him work, he has a really interesting process on how he builds his pages and puts them together. It, like that is unlike anyone else I've uh, seen in the past. So it's uh, it's been really cool. You know, we seem to get along. Hopefully, this is just the first uh, first collaboration of many. But uh, you know, time will tell. I guess. Yeah, his narrative storytelling is is fantastic, and then especially in the action scenes, you know, you get a real sense. You can almost uh, you can almost smell that cordite, right? Like right. Like, gun gunshot smell it's uh it's fantastic uh finite story do we know how many uh issues and, and how far so, are you guys it's a five issue uh series uh i'm done uh writing so and um cp is working on the last issue so he's about halfway through the last issue so we're pretty far ahead um but yeah it definitely i i pitched it with an ending in mind um that i really wanted to build to and managed to build to it i'm really happy with how the way everything's sort of come together and uh yeah i just can't wait to can't wait to see people's reactions to how we how we wrap this sucker up yeah that was going to be my my next question you know because you you mentioned and it's um i think it's also mentioned in the solicit about how there's kind of a supernatural twist and uh you've pulled the rug out from us before on stories and i always love it and that's why we can't get too spoilery here because obviously we want people to read it there is a there is a moment there is a, a an event there's something that happens in the story that you're really anticipating getting out there to to find out what reader reaction is going to be. Yeah, there's I think there's like three or four different things I'm I'm kind of waiting to see how people react because you know uh, I think the reveal at the end of issue one you know I think it's it's you know you find out that it's not what you think is going on and I think that's pretty interesting and then uh, when we get into issue two. And you start to find out sort of what's really going on uh, behind the scenes. Um, there's a there's a moment where we kind of reveal. Uh, I think right at the end of issue two, there's a, like a reveal moment that's pretty exciting. And uh, yeah, just in general, like I think there's a, and there's another in, in issue three where we just like we're slowly just kind of revealing what's going on in the world, and each reveal is just such an exciting uh, moment. I think that just turns the whole story on its head, and. Uh, yeah, all those. Uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully readers dig it. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty excited to see how uh, what the reaction is when we get there. So, when you conceived of this, was it? Did you have all these twists in mind? Like, talk to us about the uh, initial uh, idea. Was it ha- having these big twists and building around it, or did it happen sort of organically? Uh, no, it happened in a in a weird way. In that, I had two different things, two different ideas that I was working on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had this sort of, you know, uh, as most folks who follow my work know that I really like doing crime. 
Um, and I tend to do really like uh, grounded, really like uh, like small stakes uh, crime in terms of like, you know, it's maybe just a murder or something like that, but it's like high stakes for, for the individual. Uh, and I've never really done like uh, a heist book or I've never done um, a detective book or anything like that. And those are sort of genres of, of crime that I'd always been interested in, in exploring. And so I was working up a, a, a heist book idea that I just, it just, I couldn't make it work in a way that was satisfying to me. I know that I wanted to start out with something that sem- seemed like it was like, um, you know, a very sort of trope heavy story and then, and then twist, you know, by the end of the first issue. So we realized it's, it, it feels like it's heat going in, but it's not heat by the time we come out of the first issue. Right. Uh, and I just, there was never anything that really satisfied me that I, I felt uh, warranted me sort of pursuing doing this book. Um, and then on the other hand, I was working on a book um, about uh, a cult uh, I did a book years ago with Johnny Christmas called Sheltered, which was about uh, sort of doomsday preppers. Uh, it was a 15 issue thing at, over at Image. And that it's not quite cult, but it's like, you know, in that sort of vein. And I want to do something that had similar-ish feel, but more like a, a, a doomsday cult, which is just a fascination of mine. Um, and, and once again, I was developing this thing and couldn't figure out just a way to make it work. Uh, you know, it just wasn't working. And at some point, I don't know what happened. It was just one day where I was just kind of going through, uh, you know, I had a bit of free time. So I was going through some ideas and sort of just trying to figure out what I wanted to focus on next. And the idea of merging these two things all of a sudden, like, uh, you know, the heist bit and then bringing in the cult element that I already had, um, it just sparked a bunch of ideas and kind of set me down this path. Um, so in terms of all the twists and turns, I think once I, I figured that, you know, I had a couple of the twists figured out going in, I knew exactly how it was going to end, like from day one. Um, and then it was just a matter of sort of going in and figuring out really who each of these characters are, like who's why and, and like, how is he in this position of what makes him tick and, and what's going to sort of um, guide his decisions going throughout the book. And then there's a, a character we meet in issue two named Cecil, who's part of this cult called the Sons of the Sultan Sea. And, you know, it was really just trying to figure him out. Uh, again, like, you know, one of the seemed like very sort of like tropey at first to get, it, it, there's like that, the thing I love about playing with tropes is you get the audience sort of comfortable, you know, they get into it. They're like, okay, I know what this is. And then you can play with that a little bit and then you turn it and they're like, they don't know, you know, they're comfortable and all of a sudden they just don't know where they are anymore. Um, and so that was the same with Cecil it was kind of, you know, trying to present him at first as a sort of like, you know, uh, Jim Jones, charismatic Jim Jones type figure and then sort of turn that. And um, and then once once I had all that, then it was all of a sudden the, the twist sort of started dropping into place. It, it all it, w- it was one of those things where once I got into it, the story started almost writing itself, uh, which is always a great feeling because um, it's always great when work doesn't feel like work. Yes, that's so interesting that uh, and and uh, good advice to aspiring creators, you know, no, no bad idea. Don't don't it, it, if you can't make it work at the time, you know, you sock it away for another day. It really sounds like once you put these two ideas together, like you said, the story started writing itself. You got you got momentum and then it just started building. Right. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I keep like a, I keep a file. I'm, I'm pointing off screen here. I'm pointing at my other monitor. Uh, so I keep a file uh, that I just call my dustbin, which is just uh, every idea I ever you know come up with, whether or not I can make it work. Uh, and it's funny because I'll go through it, and some of them I just don't even know what I was thinking at the time when I wrote it. Like I can't even figure out where uh, I thought this idea was going to go. But every so often, yeah, there's an idea that sparks, or you know, you've got two ideas that are going to work well together. Uh, so yeah, I always, uh, I always hang on to every idea as a paragraph, two paragraphs or whatever, just to, to dig back into later. Yeah. You never know. I, I have a, another book coming out later on this year. That is a, an idea from almost 15 years ago now that, uh, it just can never make work. And then eventually here we are. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you get not even a fully formed idea and then later life experience or other stories you've written or something you've seen that you don't even realize is inspiring you and, you know, it can just take off. Absolutely. Yeah, we've uh, like I said, we've had you on before. We've talked about uh, your superhero work uh, as compared to your work in crime. And, and you've mentioned that before about how it's it's a little bit more relatable. Stakes are a little bit higher. Uh, but I do have to ask you, you, you have so many things going on. Uh, Batman Incorporated, this huge cast of characters. Uh, how are you enjoying working on that? Uh, I, I love it. I love working on the book. Uh, it's one of these things, though, where I'm like, I'm never sure what I'm doing to myself half the time because anytime I talk to editors and they're like, what would you like to work on? I'm like, I just, I just want a solo book. I just want to work with one character, you know? Um, And somehow I always get team books and I'm like, okay, cool. I'll just keep the team lean and mean. Uh, And then once I get into the ideas, I start like, you know, on Batman Incorporated, especially just explode the cast. I think for the first arc we were dealing with, um, I want to say 14 different characters uh, and now going into this latest arc, which is uh, our Joker incorporated arc. Uh, I think it's, again, it's about 12, uh, 12 to 14 uh, characters and a bunch of them are new characters. So it's not only that, you know, we're, we're half characters that have histories. We have characters where we have to establish who they are and, and really do a lot of work with them. Uh, I'm not sure why I do that to myself. It is, uh, sometimes pure torture while I'm working on it. Um, but I've been really happy with how, uh, uh, how they've been coming out. It's just, uh, it's just been a very difficult labor each time, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can imagine. And yeah. I mentioned in team books, you know, you've got this new Stormwatch uh, that just came out in Batman Brave and the Bold number one. I'm sure you're done with that as, as well, right. In terms of writing, cause it's, it's finite in uh, the anthology. Um, uh, I am. No, we have six parts for it uh, set up right now, and you know that could and uh, it could change depending on you know how things do. But right now we have a six parter, and I am about two thirds of the way through uh, writing it right now. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that one's a lot of fun, uh, and it seems like you're having a lot of fun writing that because uh, it's kind of no holds barred. You know, these aren't your typical superheroes; they they will uh, break some eggs to make an omelet. And director Bones seems like he would be a lot of fun to write. He is, uh, yeah, he's a riot to write. I love writing that character. Uh, he's a lot of fun. He's because he just he doesn't give a shit, you know. <laughs> he's just like he's very much just get the job done no matter what, he, you know. And uh, yeah, he's a ton of fun, you know, a chain smoking skeleton. What uh, what what's not to love about him? Exactly. And yeah, and like you said, uh, I always end up on the team books. You're Canadian Alpha Flight coming back later this year. Yeah. Is that uh, like a bucket list item for you? Yeah, I think every Canadian, you know, uh, who gets into writing for comics wants uh, wants to take a stab at Alpha Flight. Uh, so, yeah, that's it's been fun. It's a five-issue mini that takes place during uh, the fall of X. 
Um, we had some like really sort of interesting team dynamics uh, going on where instead of like Alpha Flight as a whole, it's Alpha Flight split into uh, uh, two sects, but essentially that are warring against one another. There's the mutants and the non-mutant side. Um, because obviously, you know, with uh, everything that's been going on with Krakoa and in the X-Books, the mutants are sort of uh, becoming more and more uh, the enemy again. And right. uh, our uh, core non-mutant team, which is Guardian, pardon me, Snowbird, Puck, and uh, Shaman, are sort of dealing with the mutant threat to Canadian soil. Fantastic. Uh, what else do you have coming up? Anything else that you have uh, that you uh, can tease our listeners with? Uh, right now, I'm working on Predator, so uh, I think the third issue comes out uh, tomorrow, which is, I don't know, what's up, uh, Wednesday, May 17th. Um, so right now, it's just Predator. It's Predator, Alpha Flight later this year, uh, Stormwatch, got uh, Joker Incorporated. I have a two-parter um, Ravager uh, story that will be as uh, part of the Night Night Terrors, um, gotcha. night, Nightmare, Night Terrors. I should know this. Um, the the, uh, the DC event that's happening in July and August. Uh, so I get to do two two uh, partner with uh, you know Deathstroke's daughter, uh, who's you know also on the Stormwatch team. Mm-hmm. Um, that one I'm I'm done my part of it. So right now I'm just uh, looking at art as it comes in from Dexter Soy, which is always uh, a real pleasure. And uh, yeah, and then since the Salt and Sea, I think that's that's it. That's a lot. Now yeah, I say it out loud, it's a lot, but. Uh, yeah, it yeah is that's uh, that's what I got going on. Yeah, and it's great, and it's great to see. I can never get enough of uh, of your work. So, uh, and do you find that working on licensed stuff, you know, the superhero stuff and Marvel and DC, but always having some creator owned stuff, some some crime stuff coming out, does that help you exercise like different parts of your brain, keep you excited as a as a writer to be working on these things at the same time? Yeah, certainly. So, like, I definitely, you know, like I started out in the creator owned realm, and I was doing creator owned books for. Uh, Jesus, like 18 years before I started doing any big two work. Like I was doing a lot of like really small uh, self-published, uh, you know, uh, zine style comics for, for a long time uh, when I was younger, when I was still drawing them and everything. Um, but yeah, so I, I did for about 18 years and I got to doing big two work. And I think the one thing, uh, the one sort of benefit, I guess, of the pandemic is that I was doing big two work and hadn't managed to really do any creator own work since I started. Like I wasn't able to sort of uh, carve the time. My bandwidth was just, you know, was uh, at its max capacity. And so uh, when the pandemic came and everything just basically stopped, um, it was a great, you know, it sucked, but it also gave me that moment to sort of sit back and get some perspective on like uh, how I really want to approach things and how I want to, uh, um, uh, you know, tackle comics going forward because I'd always planned to do creator on and big two at the same time, but I, I just couldn't make it work. And now uh, I've been making more of a concerted effort uh, since the pandemic to do as almost equal parts creator on and big two if I can. Um, but yeah, but never to lose that sort of focus. So I, you know, going forward, uh, hopefully it will always be at least one creator on title for me coming up. Yeah. And I, again, uh, listeners go back and listen to the first time Ed came on the show. And it was during that time when he he got a chance to do a Kickstarter and get back 
to doing create our own stuff. And he talks a lot about that in that, uh, in that chat that we had. So, um, well, it's been great catching up Ed. hopefully uh, I'll see you at a con soon. Everybody, uh, since of the Sultan sea hits comic shops on June 7th, uh, we, it's completely my fault. We tried to get this done before uh, uh, final order cutoff. So it, it has passed. However, uh, no reason not to tell your retailer that you want a copy because, uh, you know, sometimes with these smaller titles, they go quickly and make sure you pre-order issue two and issue three and, you know, the subsequent uh, issues of the series, because uh, based on issue one, fantastic. I can't wait to find out what the uh, the twists are. So, uh, again, Ed, great catching up. Uh, anything, any last thoughts, anything else to share? No, I think uh, we're good. Yeah, just, you know, if if your uh, listeners pick up uh, Sins of the Salt and Sea, uh, let me know what you think. Tag me on Twitter, you know, at Ed Brisson. And, uh, yeah, I'm just curious to see what people think. And I just want to see photos of it out there in the wild. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get it out there. I think it's uh, – it's uh, I feel really good about this book. And uh, I'm, I think people will dig it. Yeah, I think people will be talking about it based on uh, the quality of the first issue. So uh, I'll put a link to Ed's Twitter in the show notes, everybody. So if you're having trouble finding him, you can go and click there. So uh, again, Ed, thanks for your time. Great chatting. And uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks, thanks you, listeners. Uh, we want to thank you for joining us as always. We appreciate the support and we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes, as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.